Friends, I was tempted to say, Wilbur, remember that show? Some of you that are a little bit older, you might remember that show. Wilbur, what was that show from? <clears throat> See if you can remember. Well, to the last few of you, I didn't get to say good morning to uh, in comments. Don has picked up and is doing that now. And uh, glad to have you along for the ride this morning. Uh, we are going to be in uh, Luke chapter Eighteen, uh, and uh, looking at some of the synoptic uh, passages, but particularly here uh, in Luke chapter 18, Jesus is going along, and uh, today we're talking about salvation comes, transformation happens, and Jesus brought not only uh, sight, but he also brought... Um, he also brought transformation of people's lives. And we're going to look at some of that transformation here in just a moment as I recapture my uh, my display. 
There we go. Should be all right here. No. Uh, little technical difficulty here, folks. But Jesus has got along. He has just announced his uh, his death again for the third time, telling them that he is going to die and that they need to be ready for what is about to happen. And uh, they don't get it. They don't believe it. Uh, they want to ignore it. Uh, but yet he tells them that he is going to suffer when they get up to Jerusalem and he will end up dying. Um, he gives some parables. And then he, as he approaches Jericho, again, they're on their way to Jerusalem. We see this in Luke chapter 18. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And when the crowd heard, uh, when he heard the crowd going by, he asked, What's happening? Of course, he didn't know what was happening because he couldn't see what was happening. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him, and when he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received a sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Now, it's interesting to know what the man didn't do in the beginning of this passage. This blind man, Bartimaeus, other passages will tell us, the synoptics would tell us that this is blind Bartimaeus. Uh, he's sitting by the roadside. He's begging. That was how he got his sustenance and, uh, you know, the, the monies that he needed to uh, to live daily life. And there was this whole crowd of people. Now, Jesus had this entourage that was walking with him. And he heard them and asked, you know, who is this? And it's Jesus. And he calls out, Jesus, son of David. Now, it's interesting to note what he doesn't say here. What does he not say? Now, remember his condition uh, and look at his request. His condition is a condition of blindness. His condition is one where, um, I mean, he can't see. He can't see what's happening. I mean, it's not even like a, a dim, uh, narrowed, focused vision or something like that. The man cannot see. He has to ask the question, what's happening? So that's his condition. What is his request? It is very telling uh, of the man's heart condition when you consider what request he gave to Jesus. Now, sometimes when we have things going on in our lives, uh, we want to say, Lord, I need this, I need that. But look at what the man's request was. Verse 38 He calls out not for sight. He calls out not for healing. He calls out for mercy. It speaks of his humility. Uh, it speaks of how he's humbling himself before God that uh, he might be given 
help and aid. He's recognizing he isn't worthy. He's not saying, look at me, I'm such a great person. You need to give me all these things. No, he's not doing that. What is he doing is he is calling out for mercy. And friends, you and I, when we come before God, at least for me, I mean, I have lots of things I can request of God. You know, I, I some of my major prayer uh, focuses of late uh, in my own life and in ministry. Some of the prayer focus has, has been for the Lord to renew us as a congregation in, in the sense of, you know, COVID's past. And uh, yeah, it still happens. Yeah, people still get sick. I, those things happen. Um, but it's time that we we be reengaged and uh, Think of some simple initiatives and, and set some goals and chart the course. Um, so that is something that I am praying about. I'm praying about some of the new leadership stepping into place. I'm praying about that. Uh, I'm praying about um, the necessary resources for the travel that will be taking place. And at this juncture in time, as of 5 o'clock yesterday afternoon, uh, the Turkey uh, trip is still happening uh, and we will talk about Turkey here in a bit, Turkey and Syria. Uh, but at this juncture in time, because what uh, transpired in Turkey two days ago uh, was on, in eastern Turkey, and we're going to be in western Turkey, so I believe we're still going. So that, that's one of the things I'm praying about. Uh, I'm praying for the resources to take my friend Joseph uh, around to the various places we're going to visit uh, uh, the, the varying pastors in that part of Africa where we're going to be going. And uh, with the excitement of, of thinking of within a, a year or two, really within a year, we would like to have the first round of uh, educa- uh, educational opportunities available to those pastors in uh, in that Sudan area that they don't have access, they can't afford it. Uh, and so we're really praying that God will will enable us to do that. So we're praying about those things. I mean, there's lots of big things. I'm praying for, you know, about $10,000 uh, for these things to help expand and extend what we're what we're trying to do. And, and, and so I'm asking God. But, you know, the more important thing as I come before God, and, and I mean this in all sincerity, is crying out to God for mercy. I'm a sinner. Uh, I, I, I'm sinful. I, uh, I can have angry thoughts. I can have resentful thoughts. I can have, you know, uh, envious, uh, covetous thoughts even. And so I, I, I need the mercy of God all the time. Uh, I, I can have, I can have a little attitude at a professor in college. See if uh, Walter remembers the name of this professor that talked about having an attitude, and uh, you have to shake the head a little bit that way. But I can have an attitude, a bad attitude. So I need God's mercy all the time. And for us to come before God, and, and, and you know, I know, I understand, and I've taught this way at, at times, and there is, there's truth to this, that we need to come before our God as he is the king of all kings, and, and we are children of the king, and we're invited to come into the throne room of grace that we might find mercy and and find grace to help us in our time of need. We are told to do that. Yes, we are children of God. We're invited to come. We're invited to crawl up into uh, Abba Papa's lap, Father God's lap, and, and you know let him know our needs. 
But before any of that, to be reminded, to remember that we have access, not because of our great value, because we're such great people. We Yes, we do have high value, and our high value comes because we're made in the image of God. Uh, we do have high value because we're children of the King. But that's all because of God's mercy. And so we look at blind Bartimaeus calling out, and he doesn't call out, Jesus, give me 20-20 vision. Of course, I don't even know if that day they understood what 20-20 vision was. I doubt it. Um, he doesn't cry out, uh, Jesus, uh, give me some blue filter as you give me sight. No, uh, he just simply cries out, Lord Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. He had a humble attitude, as Joan Tompkins used to say. Um, and not an arrogant attitude. You know, our, our attitude, this the way we approach God speaks much to our attitude. Now, notice what happened. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, I want to see. But what was it that caused Jesus to stop in his tracks? That, that is the question. What caused Jesus to stop in his tracks is, is this man crying out, Lord, have mercy. If he would have said, Lord, do this for me, or Lord, I mean, I'm sure that as Jesus walked along, he had all kinds of people giving him all kinds of requests for all kinds of things. But this man cried out for mercy. So we we look at our we look at our attitude, we look at our humility, we look at our hearts and our approach to God. I mean, God loves to do things for those who are humble. Uh, we're told in the book of Proverbs, and it's repeated again in the First uh, Peter chapter five, uh, that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Those who uh, are proud will be brought low. Those who are humble will be raised up. And that is exactly what this blind Bartimaeus experiences in his humility is he is raised up. He is raised up so much so that his name is recorded in the scripture. Uh, he is raised up so much so that his story, even if his name didn't make it into the scripture, his story makes it into the scripture. I think that's pretty substantial. Because of his request for mercy, Jesus stops. Jesus says, bring him here. And then Jesus says, now, my son, my child, my friend, young man, what can I do for you? And he said, Lord, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight for your faith has healed you. What heals? God heals. What activates God's healing is faith. So the necessity of, are we willing to trust God? Are we willing to look to God? Are we willing to believe in him for what he would do on our behalf? And it says in the text, notice how quickly, it says, immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus. So this man, salvation came and transformation happened. Jesus is salvation. 
and transformation happened in his life. Not only did he receive uh, earthly sight, temporal sight, we have to believe that he received spiritual sight. We have to believe that he began to be able to also see the things of God. Transformation. Transformation because he cried out for mercy. And, and if you would pray for me today, uh, I'm hoping to connect with a young man who needs to experience the mercy of God. He needs to experience the transformation that Jesus Christ can bring into a life that is surrendered to him. So I would just ask that you pray for this young man, that uh, that he would indeed cry out for mercy, uh, and that he would find eternal life and life transformation. Now, speaking of transformation, we are going to go into the very next chapter, uh, chapter 19 of the book of Luke where we're going to see uh, another story uh, of transformation. Here we go. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. How is it that he likely became wealthy? Uh, it's likely that he became wealthy by by short, uh, charging extra fees uh, and exorbitant taxes beyond what was required by Roman law. But because he was a chief tax collector and, and a tax collector at that, he could say, well, you know, th this is what the governmental fee is, but uh, my fee for handling charges and mailing charges and the fee for my stamp, all those things, he added up all those things on top. Kind of like some places you go to buy a car and you go in and, you know, the price is great, but they have $1,000 of extra fees tacked on the top. Um, hey, you're making your money already. But anyway, uh, these tax collectors would do this. They would charge the exorbitant fees uh, and were not popular uh, with people as a result. Back into the text. Verse 3 says, he wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way now, some of us remember the story uh, or the little ditty, the little song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He climbed way up in a sycamore tree to see what he could see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. That'll be stuck in your mind today, or maybe expunged, depending on what your thought was of the singing. But here's Zacchaeus. He wanted to see who Jesus was. It didn't necessarily say he wanted Jesus. He just wanted to see who he was. He was curious. And sometimes God will use curious people. There are different types of people who are not yet Christians. There are those who are the rigidly resistant type of people who really resist the gospel. Um, those are There are those who are definitively defiant. But then there are those who are also curious, who want to learn. And this is Zacchaeus. He was curious. He'd heard about Jesus. He'd heard about some of the things Jesus had done. 
and wanted to at least see him. And it's interesting. He, he's short. He couldn't see. He got up in the tree. Jesus noted, I mean, to, to climb up in a tree just to get a look at Jesus, I mean, again, there is some effort expended there. He said, ah, I can't see anything. I'll just go back home. No, he put the effort in. Why did he put the effort in? Because he was so curious, because actually he had a divine appointment that was going to happen that very day. So it says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Now, this this is a divine appointment. Um, Jesus has planned. I mean, there are other divine appointments that take place. One divine appointment uh, that, that took place was with blind Bartimaeus. And this is a divine appointment uh, that's taking place with Zacchaeus. There was a divine appointment way back in John chapter 4 with the one at the well. Uh, I must stay at your house. Why would Jesus say, I must stay at your house today? The reason that Jesus says, as I must stay at your house, is because Jesus knew that salvation would enter that house that day. And so he goes off with Zacchaeus. Now, there are probably people saying, you should be coming to my house because he's a jerk. He's a scoundrel. He's a ripoff. He's a con artist. He's blah, 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 blah. That's a Steveism. And, um, uh, I love that. I just do. Uh, a Steveism. Um, Priscilla knows what I'm talking about. Maybe others do as well. And I say that with all endearment. I really do. But no, Jesus knows the heart of Zacchaeus, the curiosity that is there, and he's going to go to his house. And so what's it tell us? It says, so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, and here it is. They're going blah, 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 blah. Verse 7, that, that, is, a, uh, that, that is a paraphrase. Um, he is gone to be the guest of a sinner. You sinner. How could he go to the house of a sinner? Well, why did he go to the house of a sinner? Because that sinner was going to have his world rocked that day. He was going to have his life transformed forever on this day. Verse 8 says, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Now notice, this is the transformation. It wasn't just, oh, I had a nice meal with Jesus, and I trusted him, and now he goes off on his way, and I go back to living my life. No, Zacchaeus was impacted by the life of the Lord Jesus, by the message of the Lord Jesus, by the love of the Lord Jesus, by, um, by the fact that the Lord Jesus came to his house that day. So much so that he goes back and makes restitution with people, so much so that, that he, he's giving away his possessions to the poor. He's realizing that what matters is the eternal, not the temporal. And he says, if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times. That is transformation, friends. There is lip service salvation that may or may not be salvation. And I mean that with all sincerity. I'm not trying to be speak disparagingly at all, but the fact is 
that when salvation happens, when, when regeneration happens, when true conversion happens, there is a change. There's a change from the inside out. Now, I'm not saying that we're perfect. I am certainly not perfect. You guys all know me. You know how imperfect I am. But I'm not what I used to be. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm not, I mean, I, I, my life could have been a wreck. But God has done wonderful things in my life. God has done wonderful things through my life. Some of you would say the same thing about your life. But the fact is that when when a person really encounters Jesus, like Zacchaeus encountered Jesus, what happens is a transformation. And so we see Zacchaeus being transformed. He's giving back, he's giving to the poor. He's making restitution. And notice what Jesus says. He doesn't just say, oh, good job, Zacchaeus. The passage tells him this, uh, tells us this. Today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Now, now the significance of being a son of Abraham is a son of faith. Abraham believed God and it was credited him to right, as righteousness. And so, we believe God, and it's credited to us as righteousness. That's what makes us righteous. Not all of our good works, not all of our giving, not all of our... No, what makes us righteous is um, faith, faith in Christ alone. Now, the last verse that we're going to look at today, verse 10, says this. For the Son of Man to keep... Uh, the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. That was his mission to seek the lost, to save the lost. Those who want nothing to do with him, he'll leave them alone. Unfortunately, their eternity will be spent. Uh, it's a damnable eternity, separated from God forever. But for those who enter salvation by faith in Christ, we have a glorious eternity in front of us. Bartimaeus' life was changed. Zacchaeus' life was changed. My life was changed. Many of your lives were changed. And today, if you happen to be listening to this, whether live or later on, or you stumble across this broadcast, it's my prayer for you that if you don't know Christ, that you would experience Christ like Zacchaeus experienced Christ, that you would experience Christ like Bartimaeus experienced Christ, that your world would be rocked, that your soul would be saved, that your life would be transformed. That's my prayer for you. Well, friends, what a, what a glorious couple of uh, stories to read about here. I want to talk about a few things that are going on. I have a special announcement to make to you about this weekend. A couple different things, a couple different announcements. We will be hosting at our home for the first time, finally. Last week, we just decided it was way, way, way too cold. But uh, we will be hosting at our home what we are calling the Friday Table. The Friday Table, uh, beginning around sundown, uh, at least this time of year, oh, Actually, we're saying 6 o'clock if you want an actual time. Uh, it's a time to come together to share food. So if you want to come, bring something. I don't care if you stop and get uh, over at Dollar General, get a couple cans of little weenies or something that we heat up in the microwave. We don't care. Uh, but the thought is to share some food because food is a part of, of community. Uh, maybe bring a Bible, Uh and we're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to talk about life. We're going to talk about what God's doing in our lives. We're going to pray together. Uh, it's not a study. It's an application. 
Uh, that's what I'm calling it. So Friday night at six o'clock here at our home at 420 Augusta Road in Belmont, right on Route 3, directly across from um, Dollar General. Uh, we'll be having this this get together. We're going to start at six. Don't know how late it will go. Don't know. Uh, it's not a program. It, it's we're trying to create something where we do life together. That that's announcement number one. Second announcement. Just a reminder that for the Veracity Chapel family on Sunday, we're having a fellowship meal. We're going to stop calling it a potluck. We're going to start calling them fellowship meals because, you know, the potluck just implies eat some food and go. No, the point of it is fellowship. So bring some food to share. Uh, the table service and drinks will be provided. Um and we will have our annual congregational meeting uh, at Veracity Chapel directly following the service on Sunday. So, uh, and, and there'll be more special information you're going to get to hear on Sunday that we'll be talking about. And I want you to certainly hear about that. Uh, but meantime, I hope that your life has been fortified today, that you, your, your faith has been edified today. Uh, that your soul has been strengthened today as we have considered what Jesus can do in a life. Lord, help us today to, to walk with you. Help us today to love you. Help us today to, to, to think of how Bartimaeus must have felt in his encounter of you, to think of how Zacchaeus must have felt in his encounter with you. And may our lives be just as transformed and bringing praise to you as were these men's lives. That's our prayer. Lord, we pray for Turkey and all the loss, all the heartache. Last count I saw was 8,000 people whose souls have perished. Uh, some may have been saved. We don't know. But between Turkey and Syria, I think 8,000 people. Lord, we continue to pray for Turkey and for Syria, for those grieving loss, for those who are still wondering about loss, those who are suffering. Lord, bring your aid, bring your help, bring your comfort. In the name of Jesus, Lord, hear our prayer. Amen.